Hello, stupid. Hello, Sanya. Hi, how are you today? I'm good. Thanks, how are you? Good, good. Had a busy morning, but doing good. Yeah. How come busy? Oh, because you were working on your notes, right? (laughs) I know. It was a little last minute this time. And I was like, yeah, I'm good to record. And I wasn't at all. (laughs) So did all my research this morning. But I feel like that's also a nice little take because now everything is like fresh in my head. Mm. Also, I just fully acknowledge that I put you on the spot just before you do your episode. So I apologize for that. No, I think that's good. And it's so funny because I think like we've gotten in like a pattern, like you do the research heavy episodes and I do the conspiracy and personal episodes. Mm. And then on top of that, I'm doing like a, yeah, I'm just doing a research heavy episode this time. I know. I'm so excited. I know. I I think I am too. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> well, um, uh, you'll at least you'll be able to relate to my story a little bit more afterwards. I know. You know what? Even though it's like your kind of episode, it's still my take on it. I don't have half as many numbers in there like you do. <laughs> like I like there were a lot of like dates coming up and I was like, nope. Nope. <laughs> Too many numbers ago. here. Yeah. yeah. Last year. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, before you reveal um your subject, I do have a question for you. Okay. <clears throat> oh God. Typically do you see feel um safe jumping into public pools yes for me it depends (laughs) that's actually a really good one i like that thank you i modified it because that's not what it says what it says is like hey dad is it safe to dive in the pool and the answer is just it depends i was like no 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 i could do better than that let me contextualize a little bit yeah Threw me off too. I thought you had a legit question for me until you pulled out your book. I know. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? We didn't talk about this. Because <laughs> I feel like, especially with my accent, the like the punchline could be just for me. It depends, and you wouldn't you wouldn't get it. So I really wanted to like show off the book so that you're on like dad joke mode. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I know dad. what I'm working with. <laughs> yeah. We've been doing this for, what, 14 episodes now. I know. Isn't it crazy? 14. Justin just uh, told me, like, oh, my God, that's a fortnight. I was like, I guess it is. That's so funny. I mean, and, like, you know, we started. I mean, I wonder if we'll keep this up in the summer, you know? I mean, that's the goal, isn't it? No, I would love that. Well, like, you know what? Like, we made it through the holidays with, like, busy schedules, busy Mm -hmm. work schedules. We made it through me going on vacation. Mm -hmm. I wonder if something's going to be like, oh, like, you know what? We just can't do it this week. We're too busy. I mean, I feel like you went on short vacation, so it was fine. Um but we might have to get a little bit more organized with like planning ahead of time. 
mm-hmm. um, or having like some emergency episodes or whatever. Like this is, we should have this on a private meeting, discuss this on a private meeting, but the goal everyone is to <laughs> continue May will be the real episode. test when we both are on vacation in May. Oh yeah, we're both on vacation in May. It'd be cool if I could meet you where you are and we could do like a overseas episode. That would be really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Don't say where I'm going yet because I'm revealing it next week. Ooh. Okay. I know. I was gonna. I was gonna be like, but you know what? Yeah. It's the little foreshadowing for you guys listening. (laughs) Um. What was I gonna say? Oh yeah, my day was great. Thank you for asking. Please tell me about your day. That's literally what I do to Avril every single day when he comes home. Yeah. I like ask him how he d- his day is. He goes off in like a whole thing. And I, instead of replying about how his day is, I'm like, yeah, mine was good too. Thank you for asking. Yeah. <laughs> I actually didn't have much going on today, but I do have like a, a bank teller anecdote. I went to the bank because I had to do this new card and the card wasn't working. So anyways, I had to go figure that out with a teller. But the, um, the booth next to me, this like, really really like offensively handsome guy comes to the teller and like offensively handsome but also like your t- classic like kind of douchey like cocky straight boy right and the girl there i think like i didn't catch the beginning of the interaction but like she seemed to recognize him like like they knew each other from childhood or something and like she was melting like so giggly and like ah, stuff like that and then he asked for also the like moves are really close to each other i could hear the whole conversation really well wait hold on sorry so you're talking to your bank teller but this is a bank teller with a client next door yeah next to me okay next to you yeah yeah um it's at the counter right so it's just like standing next to me and he's asking for like to take out a thousand dollars u.s um in in bank notes but he wants like the majority of it in singles <laughs> strip club right and and he's she's like oh we don't actually carry singles we have to order them ahead of time but i can give you like five uh bank notes something like and he was being kind of difficult about it and he was being like kind of pissy about it like oh that's really disappointing like that's really kind of what i need like uh what can we do about this and like he wouldn't let it go and i was like can i get a discount <laughs> that's like so embarrassing for you already and it's kind of yeah. tacky just like, and this poor girl was so enthralled with him that she was still like oh yeah <laughs> and then he made like this stupid joke about like she was trying to enroll him into like the um, protection cover like five dollars a month for like no uh, low balance coverage or whatever and he was like, oh, at that cost, I prefer paying for Disney Plus. And she was like, oh, oh my God. Well, it was very entertaining. So awkward. Yeah. But I love like being like a fly on the wall to those kind of interactions. Oh, uh, yeah. It was really, really entertaining. The, I the love poor... overanalyzing people. Yeah. <laughs> my poor teller was like, uh, oh, I'm so sorry. This is taking such a long time. I was like, don't worry. Take your time. I'm good. <laughs> they're like you're like actually done and she's like okay thank you see you yeah. next time you're like oh but i really want to hear the yeah. <laughs> that's so funny yeah um actually quick little life update here my cat isn't like doing great like her health she has like a stone in her bladder oh no 
And she's so cuddly that it's kind of insane. Like, I love it. But like today I was on my laptop on the couch and she had to be on my lap. Right. And I'm like, I have a laptop. So I had her on my lap with a pillow on top of my laptop on it. (laughs) And then I thought she'd leave me alone. But she's on my lap now, too, which like I love and I feel bad because she isn't doing great. But it's so sweet, but it's kind of concerning, too. It's like, oh, no, she doesn't feel well. She wants cuddles. I know, yeah. But then she's like, she's a tortoiseshell, and they say like tortoiseshell cats have tortitude, where they do have like a little bit of attitude problems. So, and like she's a cat, so it's like I pet her for five seconds too long, and then she gives me like a little mm-hmm. nip. But mm-hmm. then she doesn't refuse to get off my lap, so now I'm just like, help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, do you know if the medication? Because you told me about this a little bit. Do you know if the medication is helping? Uh, it says seven days later, we'll do another urine test. So, right. and like, it's because she had like blood on her urine and like, we have a dark color litter, so we can't tell if there's still blood in her urine. But the doctor said like, don't worry about it. Wait the seven days till the medication's done and then we'll retest it. Mm. You have a yeah. dark color litter. That's weird. Yeah. We use like walnut litter now. Oh, fancy. Excuse yeah. me. It's better for, like, her and the environment. Right. Uh, I just hate the smell of regular litter. Right, right, right. Fair. Very fair. Well, we all hope she does better soon. Poor little tequila. Thank you. Yes. And prayers to my little cat here. Mm-hmm. Um, But let's take it away with what I have for you this episode. Let's. So, tell me, Doma, do you think of yourself as a fashionable guy? um not really no 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 okay i'm very normcore and i think mostly i do it well Mm -hmm. but i'm very bored by my wardrobe i would really like to switch it up Mm -hmm. um and i think i need to go like reintroduce myself to like thrift store shopping because um like it's just I'm a big guy, so it's hard to find clothes that fit me in most stores uh, in mm-hmm. the first place. A lot of the places carry my sizes online, but then it's a hassle to order and to blah, blah. And then often you don't have the in-store discounts and stuff like that. Yeah. And and I'm kind of done with like cheap clothes and I, I want to buy like pieces that last. So mm-hmm. it's just I'm not in a place right now where I want to spend a lot of money on clothes. But I'm like, you know what? I do want to explore and be a bit more adventurous so i think i need to go to thrift stores a little bit more often yeah and um and even maybe um like pick up the sewing machine and like do nice especially for like gym tanks and stuff like that you know i could just find some wacky t-shirts and do some tank tops with them or whatever that's really cool that's very creative um but like how would you describe like you are a guy who cares about what you wear i know like when you have events you always message me and be like okay i'm thinking about wearing this mm. and like dress up your clothing with jewelry so how mm-hmm. would you describe your fashion style um okay well on the everyday life yeah definitely norm norm core mm-hmm. i really uh, like the word that you're using i've never really heard it before norm really oh it's a thing yeah nice it's like normie it's like Kirkland brand, Costco kind of thing. Like civvies kind of thing? Yeah, it's like, you know, no brand, just plain yeah. plain colors, um, like beige, you know, it's very just, or blacks and stuff. Yeah. Like 
Yeah, like um, a black tee and jeans kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I love like keeping it simple, but then accessorizing with jewelry or stuff like that. And especially since like every now and then I'll do my nails. Like it's it's like I'll have pop up colors there. I have fun glasses, and so I'll try to put those into uh, into evidence a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but for like events and stuff like that, um, I don't know how to describe it. Again, very simple, like uh, definitely a little bit more queer and gay sometimes. Like I'll have some like see-through shirts and stuff. Um, you like you like patterns and pr- no prints more than patterns, I think. You know, and you like your little sets, like especially for your beach vacation. Yeah, I'm where I'm very much more equipped for summer fashion than winter fashion. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I do like like um a matching set i do like prints you're right um i like i like fun i want something that like for me like either something that's really fun and colorful or something that's very mute but elegant Mm -hmm. nothing in between yeah yeah that makes sense i like that too and i think i'm kind of similar in that sense um would you consider yourself like trendy Mm, which is no. such a hard thing to say but it's like yeah like are you on trends no no yeah. i think i'll try new things once they were like tested and proven like that like it's a trend that like like i'm late on trends it's kind of yeah. like oh I'll, I'll i'll see i'll post reels on uh instagrams no i'll see tiktoks on instagrams three weeks later kind of thing yeah yeah I'm the same. I think we all know that I have like this insecurity about being a millennial yeah. and dressing like one. Yeah. Uh, recently, I'm not a huge jean person anyways, but I like, I think I sold a lot of my jeans during COVID too because I never wore them and my cha- size changed so much. Mm-hmm. Or I think I just had body dysmorphia and I had so many different sizes of jeans. <laughs> and then I like have one pair of jeans and they're skinny and ripped. And I'm like, oh God. So then recently I'm like, I need new jeans. Um, and I wanted like, you know, the flare cargo style. Why? You know what? It's like they look good too. So I found, um, this is going off topic here. This is not even my notes. but <laughs> <laughs> I found Levi's in the States at TJ Maxx for yeah. $12. And they were 70s flare. And they make my butt look so good because they're like nice and tight at the top and they're mm. still high-waisted because they're 70s mm. but then they go off at the bottom i was like oh so cute and 12 dollars. that's not bad at all yeah for levi's I, mean, I think that's what i'll invest into the most something that like makes my favorite attributes pop mm-hmm. like a t-shirt that give me good arms or like a, a pair of pants that gives me like a good butt that's what i'll i'll, I'll spend money on but um uh the flare thing, I feel like you can still pull it off because you look so young. I am young. Like, I'm kidding, you can, yeah. Well, you are actually. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. I keep forgetting. Like, you're not my age. You are very young. You're more zillennial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can see you struggling I, with tequila. <laughs> she just jumped off, and I thought she was gonna take my headphone and laptop yeah. with her. <laughs> um, but also, um, like, I don't think you know, wearing something youthful would look out of place on you at all. Mm-hmm. And by youthful, I mean more trendy, right? Yeah. yeah. For me, yeah. if I was wearing like 
a crop top and some baggy pants, they would look like I'm trying very hard. Uh, so, like, I think this is, like, a good way to say, like, yeah, like, like, because I tried cargoes on before, and I was like, no, I can't do this. Like, I'm so used to, like, tight clothes, so used to high-waisted things I couldn't do, low-rise, right? But then I think it's about finding your own between. So, like, mm -hmm. my, the ones I got are baggier, but, like, knee bought from like under the knee up like the top mm. of it it's still tight so still gives me that security i need as a millennial yeah um interesting yeah but i think fashion is kind of just like an extension of your personality right and i think a lot of us want to wear clothes on a daily basis that make us feel good look good um and like what i find so interesting is if you think about a couple decades ago Brand names were just for the upper class, right? We never really, or like the middle to lower class never really indulged in brand names. You wouldn't see the everyday person walking around with a brand name purse. Mm -hmm. While now more and more, it's getting so common for everyone to kind of have brand names, mm -hmm. which to me is insane. You know, like I, I am finally starting to feel like, oh, I should maybe have a brand name purse. I can't, I, I'm not a purse girl, so I can't even fathom spending that kind of money on it. I'd rather like take that money and get a tattoo instead. Mm -hmm. um, but we see that. New there's flex. A I'm not a purse girl. I'm a tattoo girl. I'm just one of the boys. <laughs> I'm just one of the boys. Oh my God, I'm not a purse girl. <laughs> Next year, I, I kid you not, I will have a designer purse and I'm going to look back and be like, oh. I love, <laughs> too fun. Um, but yeah. but like it you know like now it's like the average person does have these little things or wants these little things and these little yeah. things have become more achievable now the little line between upper and middle class has kind of started blending together but then at the mm -hmm. same time you do see like influencers that have their you know gucci purses also posting on instagram about their budget-friendly amazon finds mm -hmm. you know when it comes to clothing so I That's think the lines actually. are learning both ways. Yeah. Um, but fashion as a whole has kind of taken the world by storm. We see Fashion Week all over the world. You see New York, Paris, London, Milan. And fashion isn't just for the rich anymore like we just kind of talked about. Um, you think of the budget-friendly things like Zara and H&M, but those aren't even budget-friendly anymore. I feel like now when you're looking for a budget-friendly option, you kind of go in towards like Shein and Amazon and Toomey. Mm. Like, you know, like $20 Zara dress isn't it. It's more about like I can get this at Shein for five bucks. Yeah. And that's when we kind of start talking about fast fashion because that is not those kind of pieces that you invest in. That's something like a one-time wear outfit that you get. For vacation to post that one Instagram pic in, right? I mean, I don't know. I for me, as coming from someone who like can't um, really wear anything that comes from Shein or stuff like that, like it just never fits. Mm -hmm. um, I still consider like you know twenty bucks at Zara. Well, Zara never carries my size, but twenty bucks as like at Winners or whatever being like just like a throwaway shirt you know mm -hmm. i know which is so sad yeah um because 20 bucks is not cheap when you think about it and no. shirts should not just be like a couple times wear thing right um so this kind of got me thinking yes we talk about fast fashion now on a daily basis we're getting more aware of our consumerism um but when did this all start you know oh. 
And I kind of started looking at the history of fashion and where we got these pieces from. Because if you think about not decades ago, but centuries ago, this is not the way things were, you know? Right. Um, where did people really go to find clothing? It wasn't the local winners, right? It was their Sorry, local Excuse me. Sisters. When you say centuries ago, which date? <laughs> I'll be getting to the date shortly. <laughs> okay. We're kidding. talking like BC times, right? I don't even remember if we I roasted you about this while we were recording or before we were recording. It was while, while we, we were, were Okay, 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 good. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone knows what you're talking about. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> um so yeah, so one of the most evident ways in which cultures influence fashion is through traditional garments and attires. Different cultures have their own distinct ways, styles, and clothing traditions, which are often deeply rooted in history and heritage. Mm. So now we're talking about ancient fashion today, yeah, yeah. right? And ancient fashion is not something that people copied from the magazines. It's what different cultures kind of came up with themselves. Mm -hmm. And it was fashion that was more uh, friendly to what they did. You know, you're not going to be wearing um, clothing that doesn't cover your whole body if you're working in the fields in the middle of winter, you know? Mm -hmm. And fashion decades ago, or sorry, centuries ago, was more about what you do. It was a way of survival almost, right? And just covering your private parts right? when you think about it. So um, it was often made by the person themselves or a family member with, with what materials and supplies they had back then. If you were a little bit richer, you would go to the seamstress, the town seamstress. Um, but it was all made made for you, right? It wasn't just made and manufactured for multiple people. You don't go to the seamstress and kind of shop around and be like, oh, can you make this for me? It's kind of like, hey, made I'm looking for, for... Exactly, right? Um, and like how many of us can say we have made for ordered things right now? Right, that's such a flex. Like it would be like very, very... Such as like... um display a status to to mm -hmm. to have anything that's more than just something that your mom made at home you know exactly i think if i think about the made for order things i have it's like almost all just my indian outfits right but that's like when i shop online and i place an order according to my measurements mm -hmm. right but it's not just made for me there's hundreds of people in the world that have that item it just that's made for my measurement i don't think i own one thing that i was custom made for me you know, designed for me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But correct me if I'm wrong, but it's something that's way more common still in India than it would be here. Like, I feel like like all of those, do you have a lot of those like seamstress shop and tailor mm -hmm. shops that you go in and, and pick your fabrics and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah, really it is. As much. It, yeah, for sure. But I think when you think about it, like the upper class in North America maybe does that a bit more you know yeah yeah, yeah. it's just less affordable um, here than yeah here there. and i'm thinking about like men's fashion um i think what men probably might have is made for order um suits yeah you know you don't get your like everyday wear like that yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah so back then uh clothing was often unisex um usually in the lower class because you know it was kind of like one one size fits all, put it on kind of thing. Interesting. Um, yeah, and often not dyed and made from linen, cotton, or flax. Um, and then there was a belt, maybe, 
to mm. fasten it around your waist. And this was probably uh, more purposeful than anything, not for fashion. It was kind of, you know, so it's not flowing around if you're working in the fields and it's windy. Yeah, just to pull uh, it all together. Exactly. Now, when we think of belts, it's, yeah, I'd like to keep your pants up, but it's more of a fashion thing, I would say, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, as we know, when we uh, studied history, that the upper class almost often dressed a lot more extravagant and their clay- clothing was um, made by, you know, the town seamstress or their own se- seamstress, right? They wasn't their- them or their family members making their clothing for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, their clothing often had more colors and uh, using more expensive cloth like silk. And while the poor wore something a bit more purposeful, the rich dressed it up with jewels and embroidery um, and different things like stones, right? Um, mm. So... I'm going to kind of, there's so much information about Asian culture, uh, fashion, and stuff like that. But I've picked a couple different ancient civilizations and countries that we can kind of talk about and what their more popular clothing is. Oh, yeah. Let's do that. All right. So let's start with ancient India. So the olden days, um, the the olden days dresses in India can be tracked all the way back to the Indus Valley civilization, which existed around 2700 BC. Well, my first number. Ooh, well done. Uh, During this period, both men and women wore a piece of clothing around their bodies. As time passed, the clothing of ancient India evolved and different styles emerged during different periods of time. So I want to talk about a specific clothing and probably one of the most popular and relevant clothing uh, piece of clothing in Indian history. Do you have any guesses here what we could be talking about? Would it be a sari? Yes, a sari. So, pop quiz here for you, since yeah. you got that question right. What do you think the word sari means? I have options. Okay. A, a sari is an abbreviation of sarong. B, sari means circle life. C, Sari means strip of cloth, or D, the Hindu ver- the Hindu word for sarong. What's sarong? Oh, sarong. <laughs> Good question there. So a sarong, let me get you the proper definition of it before I kind of go on. Okay. <laughs> so sarong, um, I know, I think you know what a sarong is. A sarong in um, Southeast Asia is usually just like a piece of cloth or fabric wrapped around your waist. Kind of think of like a beach cover. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I would say is... Um, uh, uh, Do you want me to go over uh, the options? A strip of cloth. Whoa, you got it. Because I was just thinking about that when you were talking about it. Is like, is there even some stitching in a sari? Or is it just like the way you wrap a cloth around you? Yeah, exactly. So other than the two other com- components that come with a sari... Um, I know, look at you. As an Indian, I'm very proud. You actually give it some thought. Well, I mean, it does help to have an Indian best friend. I do learn a few things. Yeah, because, you know, I talk about saris all the time. That's all you talk about. (laughs) Literally will not shut up about you saying. Yeah, I'm wearing one right now. Okay. Um... All right, so yeah, exactly. Sari is just an unstitched garment. The components that come with a sari is what they call a petticoat, which is like a skirt that you wear underneath the sari. Um, 
which is usually the color of the sari itself or like okay. kind of more skin shade. So it's like, you know, if you have a fabric of sari that's a bit more see-through, then your legs don't show. And it's something right. that gives the sari to tuck into. And then there's a blouse that's made out of um, either the material of the sari, but I think now it's getting way more common to get like a different color to make your sari pop a little bit. Mm. And the blouse is the part that's like, you know, tailored to your body. Other than that, the sari itself, the part that you wrap around you is just an unstitched cloth. Um, there are more than 100 ways to drape a sari depending on the region, the fabric, the length and the width of the garment and what the wearer might be doing that day. So back in the day, obviously, these women were, oh, sorry, hit my mic there. Women were out there maybe working on the fields, cleaning their house, taking care of their kids. So they'd probably want a more secure weight to fasten their sari as opposed to now when um, thinking of, you know, wedding culture, women were wearing saris to go to weddings it's more probably in a fashion statement uh maybe to show off your blouse or show off your figure and things like that um so it was made by cotton and nation times but over the years sari has been um you know could be made from many different textiles such as chiffon georgette silk and you often see them with more embroidery jewels stones and many different ways to make them unique mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. um it's if you like you mentioned earlier, if you still go to India, you can make your own sari. It's very common to have it made uh, for measure. You go out, yeah. you pick out a kind of uh, fabric you want it, and they make it exactly how you want it. Um, which is so cool. Fun fact, uh, or not fun fact? Question for you: You've been yeah. to India before, right? A couple times. Yes. Yeah. 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 Have you ever been to like a seamstress or a shop, a fabric shop? Mm, no, I've seen some fabric shops at the market, mm -hmm. but I've never really been in it because um, it's a very overwhelming environment for me. Like, there's just so much going on. It feels like everything's going to fall onto me. It's like a little bit of like, yeah. Um, I did want to look into getting a suit made once, but I never, I never got around to to doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think fabric shops in India are a really cool experience. I think the key is go going with someone who knows what they're doing, oh, yeah. uh, as opposed to just like walking in on for fun. Um, I've been with my mom a couple of times and family or just, um, friends. And what I love about the Indian fabric shops is, um, so you'll be like, oh, can I see that fabric? These men, it's usually men working at these shops, will pull mm -hmm. it out, start unraveling yards and yards of it. Where in my head, I'm like, no, no, don't do that. I just wanted to see it. Like, you don't yeah, have to do yeah. that much for me. But they do it no problem. Then they'll also put them on themselves and, like, you know, kind of model and it model. and try and sell it to you. Wow. I love it. It's, it's a, a little really drag fun. moment. Yeah. That's really fun. It's a really fun um, experience. If anyone, you know, goes to India anytime soon, definitely walk into a fabric shop. Yeah. Yeah. The bundles of fabric they have is insane. Like there's so much. I think that's the part that stresses me out. It's like, there's just like packed so tightly. And it's like, oh, especially that like, I'm probably not shopping for myself in mm -hmm. the ones I see in the market. So. Yeah. I, I also like think like, I just don't have that much of a vision for what mm -hmm. I want to be like mm -hmm. from fabric. Yeah. Um, I like usually like if I do shop for Indian clothing, I'll go to stores where they have outfits and be like, okay, I want this one and get it made to measure. Um, yeah. 
But I think that culture is really cool and the fact that it's been going on for centuries and the way mm-hmm. saris have evolved um, becomes such a fashion statement, not only in India anymore, all over the world. You see many big name designers kind of taking that sari and making it their own. Yeah. Um, it's really cool that it's such a versatile piece of clothes also that it can be worn like in so many different ways right yeah and i think as we go through the different asian ancient cultures um we will be talking about a lot of things that were very simplified back then and that Mm. has is such a versatile thing that's why people kind of keep it up till this day right 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 yeah um so that was ancient india and a little glimpse of one of like the most popular things that has come out from ancient ancient in- India fashion. Now let's move on to ancient Greece. Ooh. So let's talk about some garments that were essentially from um, the archaic time period uh, through the classical time period. So we're talking about 700 to 500 BC. Okay. So these names are very hard to pronounce. Um, <laughs> But as I kind of describe them, you'll realize they are something that we've adapted into life right now. Okay. So this one is, oh God, Stropion. And it is a clothed band, which serves almost as a bra now. So I think it was kind of just to wear something for women to cover up their breasts, right? Right, right, right. Then we have Perizoma, and it's a loincloth. Oh. aka underwear right <laughs> just worn by men, uh, men and women uh we have shitonis which is a tunic of two different styles uh both worn by worn by both sexes right uh we have claymus which is an outer garment used as a short cape or cloak primary uh primarily worn by men we have uh Peplos, oh god, these are so bad. I'm so sorry right. to any Greeks listening to this podcast. <laughs> I have like, I, I like Googled the pronunciation and I have the weighted said beside it too, but I'm just bad at pronunciation, guys, sorry. Uh, but a peplos is a garment worn man- mainly by women over their uh, shatanis or, uh, or instead of one. So shatanis being like a tunic. So, uh, quick question: Like the um, the one that's more like a bra and a loincloth, were those worn under other things? So, in the hotter months, this was yeah. probably just worn as clothes, right? So, this is like seven hundred oh, okay. to five hundred BC. So, I think you know, I don't, and I think Greece, as opposed to like India, where they were a bit more like about covering up women and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't think ancient Greece was that much. Right, right, um, right, okay. And it was probably during hotter weathers and then depending on what they're doing as well. Uh, right. And then they use things like the peplos, which is a garment to kind of like to cover up or this cape that we were talking about men worn by men to kind of put on mm-hmm. top, kind of covering them up from the sun, which I kind of think. Right. How um, cool would it be if it was still like acceptable to wear capes? I, I would love so wearing cool. capes. I think it's like a very high fashion thing too. Like people still do it out there. Yeah, but like it's like either you look like a freak or like you're going to like the Met Gala. Yeah. There's no yeah, it's not like an everyday thing. Yeah. I mean, 
like if you're super high fashion, you could try to pull it off like to the bar, you know? Like, okay, name one time you saw someone pull off a cape. Other than like on the red carpet. Okay, okay, what I'm thinking of, you know those like blazers or cardigans that have a cape attached? That's what I'm thinking. No? What? Did you just make up a piece of clothing like that? No. Is that a thing? Okay, hang on. Long cardigan <laughs> cape. I, I, okay, like, look, okay, kind of like poncho style. Like these kind of capes. Just someone who just wears their coat without putting their arms in the sleeves? <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. Okay. No, but yeah, that is a different thing. And that's super fashionable. But yeah. just that you like this kind of like poncho cape look that you can kind of still pull off. Oh, those are cute. Yeah, okay. that's what I'm thinking. No? I'm not I, thinking like, like literally like, a string tied around your neck cape. This feels more like wearing a blanket out in public wrapped around your shoulders yeah. than a cape. But I do Ooh, get Yeah, like blanket scarves could totally be a cape. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I see it. I think I'm going to get you a cape this year for your birthday. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> I won't stop you, but I can't promise I'll wear it. <laughs> okay, so a couple more here. We have a peblama, uh, which is a shawl worn over your chiton or polo. Oh, God, these are so bad. Peplos, both by men and women. And then lastly, we have a him himatation, an outer garment worn as a long cape or a cloak by both sexes. So as okay. mentioned, a lot of these clothings are simply just cloth in square cylinder rectangle shapes they're all uncut unsewn unsewn a piece of cloth that's either made from linen or wool and depending on how someone um wears it it'll have a different effect and then you can kind of fasten it by pins or buttons brooches or belts to kind of hold it in place yeah they were big on brooches and stuff right to hold uh like like the cape hanging off just one shoulder with a brooch, that's a vibe. That's, that's a vibe. such a vibe. What yeah. does that remind you of when we think of ancient Greek? Um, well, it's kind of the same, right? As like in India, there's no, it's not sewn, it's just wrapped. Yeah, but what's the ancient Greek word for it that we kind of use now? Like you'll probably see it as a costume nowadays uh, on Halloween. Like, um, like um, starts with a T. A toga? Yeah. Yeah. Right? So yeah. I think that brings us to our next garment that is so popular. Um, unfortunately, more as a costume, I would say. Right. But kind of like saris, it is um, one of the most popular pieces that come from ancient Rome um, slash ancient Greek. So it's a one-piece woolen garment that's draped loosely around the shoulders and down the body. There is evidence that toga was worn by all free Romans during the Roman monarch and the Roman Republic, while slaves and children wore tunics. After the oh, second okay. century BC, toga was worn over tunic by men, and while women wore stolas, a long pleated dress similar to a Greek um, chiton. Uh, girls and boys under the age of puberty wore toga, uh, partexa, and it's a special type of toga with a purple band at the lower edge. So, um, similar to, like, I was talking about ancient times in general, 
what you wore kind of had a statement. It was when you see the free people roaming around, they wore togas while the slaves and children were wearing wore tunics. Yeah, um, yeah. Kind of talking about how like brand names are like you, what you see is kind of your identity, right? Yeah. Which we will go into a bit more when we're talking about Asian Europe as well. Uh, but it's the simpler outfits are worn by the lower class. It's a display of status. Exactly. Yeah. Which, you know, unfortunately still is that now. Yeah. But yeah. I think the lines have blurred a little bit more. Um, I think some people have more control over the message you're trying to display. It's less about just your wealth. Mm-hmm. Like you do, you can send different messages, but it still feels very much like, um, okay. So RuPaul has the saying that I absolutely love is we're all born naked and the rest is drag. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, it's that it's, it's all costume, right? So So when you put on a costume, you're, you have an intention behind that costume. It is so true, but it's so funny. I remember when I worked at a restaurant here in Vancouver, um, I live in like an area where it's like, I live in a condo and now it's becoming more for young families to move down here. But mm-hmm. before this area was known for, um, you know, like old money, you know, mm-hmm. and generational wealth. So one of the restaurants I worked, uh, down here and it's just like a chain restaurant cactus club. You guys have probably heard of it if you're from Canada. Um, a lot of the girls would show up with their Gucci bags you know, and their brand name purses. And I was very confused because I'm like, huh? Like, how do you have that kind of money when we're working at the same restaurant? You Mm -hmm. know, but I think now it's like, you know, in class, if you're in school, you might have the same tuition as the next person. But depending on where they come from, they might be wearing a Gucci sweater, you know, and what kind of money they have. But at the end of the day, I would consider everyone in that school like the same kind of class, like lower you know, middle class, I guess, but it's not. I feel like it's it's all mixed into one. But also, I feel like that's the thing with brands is that a lot of people will spend more money than their means on brand to send a message that they have more money than their means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. For me, maybe lesser less so now because now you can get most phones for zero dollars in in a in a plan. Yeah. But iPhones were very much that at first. It was, it was like, well, it was status. It's you get the most expensive phone to show that you can afford to get the most expensive phone. Yeah. Just regardless of if it's above your budget or not. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, and then when you could, like, literally couldn't do it, well, people look down on you for having Android. It's like, oh, you can't even afford an iPhone. Yeah. But now... Is it me? Do I just... Because I don't even know what the value of phones are anymore because I haven't bought one in so long or even looked to buy one. But like now I would say Androids are more expensive than iPhone, right? Uh, those lines are blurred definitely more now. Yeah. I wouldn't say more expensive, but you you have a whole uh, range of price. Yeah, exactly. Android. Yeah. But the higher end are similar price than iPhones. Yeah, yeah and I feel like you... Like, 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 I'm thinking of, like, finance bros that have, like, cooler, like, you know, like, those double-sided iPhones that open up like this now, like a book. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. 
going back to ancient times here when they didn't have things like iPhones and Androids. Um, garments were made out of linen and wool. Linen was more expensive and uh, mainly available for the upper class, while spinning wool was widely practiced by women in ancient Greece um, and was used to make clothes for all classes and every age group. Uh, dyed clothing was also available for the wealthy, as well as garments decorated with prints and weights at the bottom to make them drape across your body and hold securely. Uh, which I thought was kind of cool. Imagine having like weights at the bottom of your dress. Right. That is interesting. You know what's interesting also is like now it's the opposite. Wool is more expensive than linen. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's so interesting. I wonder why. I guess because uh, like back then like it was a bit – actually, no. I don't have an explanation. I, w- I would think machinery. Mm-hmm. I think it's easier to produce linen now because of machinery. But before by hand, it was easier to produce wool. Yeah. That's just a wild guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to ancient Japan. Um, I think of Japan as kind of a fashion hub, or a very big fashion hub, actually. Uh, Kind of like the Mm -hmm. France of Asia, right? Um, Yeah. When you think of Japanese fashion now, it's like loud colors, prints, street and high fashion, um, Harajuku aesthetic, you know. Um, But early Japanese clothes were just plain and practical. Uh, suited to a mm. nation of hunters and gatherers who later evolved into farmers and craftsmen. Um, what do you think is one of the most iconic pieces of clothing that came from Japan? I would say the kimono. Exactly. Look at you just acing all of these. <laughs> Let's see. I'll just throw a random one at you here. Do you know what a kimono means? Oh, I don't get choices? I No, I didn't think of it. Um, I want to say it's something about wrapped linen again. No, <laughs> I was going to nope. be blown away if you got it. Cause this one's so hard. And like okay, looking okay. at you, I was like, wait, does he know? <laughs> what does it mean? So it actually means uh wearing thing. So yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think you'd get that one, but like your face made me think you would. So I was like, what? <laughs> Um, But it was not always referred to as a kimono in its history. Um, The first actual like kimono, but it wasn't referred to kimono back then, was from uh, the Heian period from 794 to 1192 BC. Um, So a kimono back then was straight cuts of fabric sewn together to create a garment that fit every sort of body shape. It was easy to wear and infinitely adaptable. Uh, by the oh. Edo period, so this is 1603 to 1868 BC, uh, it had evolved into a unisex outer garment called kosodo, um, which literally meant small sleeves. Uh, the kosodo was characterized by smaller armor holes. Um, it was... Uh, only from the Meiji period, that was uh, 1,868 to 1,912 onwards, that the garment was called a kimono. The last transformation from the Edo era to modern Japan, as we know it, uh, was the years 1603 and 1868. Um, and this is the era, uh, the last era of traditional Japan. Um 
Japanese culture developed with almost no foreign influence during this time. And, um, ooh, getting a little lost in my notes here. Ooh. And the kasoto was one of the key elements from what it was meant to be Japanese. So during this era, the kasoto was visibly unifying cultural marker. Every Japanese person wore it, regardless of age, gender, and their socioeconomic status. And on oh, rare occasions, when a Japanese uh, person came in contact with a foreigner, the one visible distinction was that foreigners did not wear a kasoto, right? Um, mm. therefore this became a huge, uh, identifier for this culture. Over the years, the cut of a kimono hasn't changed, but what it is has kind of become the identity of the wearer. It becomes more common for women to wear, uh, kimonos now, and often we see them with cherry blossoms on it. And cherry mm -hmm. blossoms symbolize mortal feminine beauty. So we can expect to see this, uh, more on women than men. And more than that, it's uh, it's for women to wear for leisure, not for work. So it's more for just like, you know, beauty purposes as for um, purposeful, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is true for most floral patterns. The most floral more floral patterns are just kind of like everyday leisure wear. Mm -hmm. um, the fabric quality and a choice of pattern, thread, paint, wood block paint, and color are essential criteria for representing someone's rank, age, gender, and refinement of the person wrapped in it. Um, mm, very similar to fashion today, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. What you choose kind of defines you. It's a extension of your uh, What I find interesting is that it's so much closer to what fashion is today than ancient Greece and ancient India. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Well, I would say ancient India is kind of similar now when we talk about saris because it's actually, no, you're totally right. I was going to say we can, we can still like, uh, we can still personalize it, but it doesn't define you in a way unless you mm -hmm. put like jewels on it. And that's why you want to show that you come from money. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. So, there's so much more that I kind of want to talk about with ancient fashion, but obviously I don't have all the time in the world. One thing I kind of started thinking of as I was going through all these things, like we talked about three different cultures with very prominent um, pieces that come that are brought into our mm -hmm. modern day fashion. I wanted to talk about something that didn't really have a purpose back then but was very common back then and has come into modern fashion and this is a okay. corset oh so what do you it is corset is having a huge comeback and i think isn't it? it has for years if you look at the decades of fashion that we talk about from 1920s to 1990s corsets kind of makes an appearance yeah. all over the place right yeah but it feels like it was more of a um fringe like goth kind of thing and stuff like that and now it's really integrated into like mainstream mm -hmm. fashion yeah what do you think like was the purpose of a corset when it was invented um i would say the purpose well i want to the the answer like my first answer now i'm thinking it's not because you already sort of hinted that it had no purpose well like 
sorry when i say no purpose like obviously everything people wear has a purpose but it wasn't made to help you work on the fields more you know what i mean no but it was like uh shape uh, shaping yeah like shapewear yeah 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 and that is totally right right so corsets became uh first popular in the 16th century in europe uh these corsets focused on more flattening the bust instead of narrowing the waistline so it's kind of it was oh, made to make your boobs look smaller right as opposed to now corsets are to push your boobs up i don't know why i'm describing it with my head yeah <laughs> for visuals um, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> a, a stiff hoop skirt made a woman's uh waistline already appear smaller so it wasn't to make like put your waistline smaller now that it is it's just to flatten your bust um in the early days corset was designed to help shape your body into a quote-unquote more idealized form um though they often became came at the expense of comfort right i think when we watch these age pieces it's like the women's maids are like really tightening the shit out of her while she's really suffering um but it's to you know give you this quote-unquote idealized form that they looked at before you know what i what i'm thinking and i might be way off but like it feels like beauty standards were maybe a little bit more androgynous Mm -hmm. Because it's also a period where men were, wore a lot of makeup and mm-hmm. wigs, similar to... And then uh, women apparently were flattening mm-hmm. their chests. Uh, men wear high heels back then also. So it feels like there was maybe one androgynous beauty standards across uh, the genders. Yeah, that's actually a really good observation. I never thought of that before. Um, but like, I guess it does make sense, right? When you think of the other cultures, a lot of the clothing was unisex, right? Without it being mm-hmm. like, it wasn't like, oh, let's just make everyone equal. It was kind of just like, oh, let's just, we have this one thing. Why make two of it? Everyone just wear it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's interesting. I feel like we are kind of slowly as society trying to go back to that, you know? Um, very Yeah. Slowly. It feels like there is an effort in that yeah. direction. Um, you know, when you see the fashion of women right now coming back, it's like we are doing baggier shirts and baggier pants. It's no more about the, you know, like the tightest skinny jean you can find in crop tops, you know? I would say, though, that today is less about androgynous and more about gender Mm -hmm. blending. In the sense that, like, it's not about trying to look more like a uniform gender it's more about like expressing yourself through uh multiple Mm -hmm. different genders yeah i get that i agree with that yeah but it's true that there is like it's it it feels like the same vibe a little Mm -hmm. bit um and it's weird that we lost it for a while in the middle and we were so far apart you know Mm, um But going back to corsets, corsets were more ceremonial garb than um, everyday fashion. And it wasn't until the Victorian era uh, that they became more of a fashion statement. Um, Before that, it was kind of considered just like shapewear, like you said, or like a girdle kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Reading about 
corsets was so interesting and there's a lot to talk about how the corset itself has evolved um that i think i can do a whole episode on corsets alone um interesting but speaking of which would you ever wear a corset um i don't think mm-hmm. so i think i i mean i've already tried on some like uh um shapewear shape shapewear like more like some like tighter like uh, tank tops that are supposed to make like sh- like and stuff like that and i found it very yeah. uncomfortable so i don't know about a corset i mean i tried one i would try one on but i don't know if i, I would like it have you so, ever worn one no I don't like like the traditional corset where it's like boned in and it really like cinches in your waist. No, I don't. I think I would kill myself in one. Like I could not like because I've done shapewear and I can't breathe. You can't mm-hmm. sit. I just Same. I like I yeah. I think that's like the hardest for me. Like when you're wearing a pair of jeans that is uncomfortable at your waist, I could not. I don't like. I don't own a mm-hmm. pair of jeans that's not comfortable for me. Yeah, when it digs in. Yeah, it's like, oh, so that's where I'm like, uh, like I don't, I consider myself like a okay when it comes to fashion, but I wouldn't, wouldn't fall for these things just to make my body look a certain way when I'm not comfortable at mm-hmm. my comfort's expense, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think um, yeah, when it comes to corsets, I just wanted to touch on it a little bit just because it seemed like such a fascinating thing and showed how like when our beauty standards got very hard as opposed to before when it was okay to wear you know a toga for a man and woman um and loincloths yeah. were for everyone and it's like what we called i think it was called uh a strophian uh cloth that served as a bra didn't look like it had any underwires in it when you google it and then now it's like boned and yeah, corsets yeah, yeah. um just wanted to touch on that and kind of no it is yeah it is interesting how like it, it it does feel like a time in history where we took fashion standards to a wild extreme. exactly um but it was for the wealthy mainly you don't see um the maids and stuff wearing corsets and it was more ceremonial garb um but in kind of conclusion i want to talk about mass manufacturing and when that became popular and kind of like the only thing we have nowadays right um like kind of touching yeah. back for ready to wear aware clothes uh ready right made for you clothes don't really aren't that common anymore uh but before the yeah. late 19th and early 20th centuries ready made clothes practically didn't exist in north america most people wore clothing made at home uh, while those who could afford it just in clothes made by a trailer or a streamstress. Um, and a government mm-hmm. report issued that in 1911, um, they found that two-thirds of all garments worn by inhabitants in the United States uh, were homemade. Uh, oh. And that's only nine, oh, sorry, 1811. So not that long ago when you think about it, right? Did I say 1911 before? Is that what you're surprised? Yeah, it. Well, that's what I understood at the very least. I don't know. I don't. But we'll, we'll roll the tape and, <laughs> and and reveal what you actually said. But that's what I understood because it is still two hundred. Yeah, years but ago, to so. me, like, I don't know. I just feel like clothing has been around for so long, and the way we look at clothing now is so 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 different. That like two hundred years ago, mm-hmm. 
doesn't feel that long, you know? know? Right. And like, there must have been such a um, different attachment to your clothes when it was like handmade by someone mm-hmm. you knew or yourself. Yeah. You know? And like, you know, even now, um, during my week this week, I cleaned out the under of, uh, under my bed, the under of my bed. <laughs> Um, and I had, uh, I like kind of store all these clothing under there in like vacuum sealed bags that I had a hard time uh, yeah. letting go. And it's like, I looked at this one top and I was like, oh, this is back in fashion and I never wore it, you know? And like, I know my sister, she has like attachment to her clothes. She has suitcases and suitcases of her clothes that she doesn't let go of. And at first I thought she was crazy. And now all these things are coming back in fashion. And I'm like, oh my God, why did I donate everything I owned immediately after? Mm. Um, It's so crazy to think about what a difference it is in the generations in like ancient times versus modern times when it comes to clothing. And now, you know, you wouldn't ever think about leaving your house with no clothes on, you know, let alone just your underwear or loincloth. And back then, that's all they really yeah. had, you know, sometimes depending on where you came from. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, um, yeah, it's very interesting for sure. Our relationship to clothes is strange. Do you, do you fix your clothes? No. I, I don't think, you unfortunately, don't? I don't um, have clothes that like are worth fixing. Right. You know, that's like fair. I... I think if I ripped an H&M top, I wouldn't care to. Um, I'm trying to think. I think I sold a couple things of my husband's. But, like, I think my mm. clothes, like, I don't, like, get rips in them usually. It's more like they just get very, like, after washing them, the quality is so bad that, like, after a couple washes, they look so used. Yeah. Yeah, that's the other thing also. I try to be much, much, much more careful yeah. with my washing. But sometimes yeah, I like barely it. put anything in the dryer anymore. But that's that I'm I'm bad at. I'll put on the like the yeah. lowest heat setting, or like no heat, and then I'll just run yeah. For two oh hours. my god! <laughs> but um, I hate hanging up clothes so much. Yeah, but it makes a big difference. Yeah. Um. No. Yeah, I think it's I I I would love to do an episode one day about fast fashion, but I think that you know we've all kind of know what it is and are aware of what it is um, nowadays, but what an mm-hmm. impact that makes on our environment. And another thing that we didn't talk about is in ancient cultures, like sustainability, like I'm sure like, you know, they didn't like, they yeah. didn't throw something out just because it got a stain on it, you know? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. While we're so guilty of that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Like we don't, I don't repair clothes and I don't know many people that do. Like, I think my mom sell me. But I think, like, our generation, it's less and less. Okay. I repair my clothes. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I rep- like, I get a lot of, of rips because yeah. of chafing. So I'll, I'll repair those often. Are you a good um, um, sewer? Then... Are you good at sewing? Oh. No, I'm terrible. Okay. But I'll Where'd you learn? Uh, school. Yeah. Like, uh, in Holmec. Oh, you didn't have that. You're too young. Uh, you, I didn't you have home but we did have like a fashion class that I took. Like I sewed a pillowcase. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, like I learned how to use a machine to sew and homemade and stuff like that. Like I'm not good at it, but like like these these sleeves actually like I I sewn the cuffs so that they stay. Oh, uh, that's really creative. Good for you. Yeah. Do you have a machine or do you do it by hand? <laughs> Everybody's so creative. Wow. By hand. I don't have a machine, but I have a friend who is who's willing to share uh, his machine, and we're supposed to do like a, a little uh, that's fashion so night. fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like. I know you touched on this earlier about how you want to go thrifting more, but something that's been bothering me is the prices at thrift stores lately because, you know, like they've made thrifting into such, like, it's not a sustainable thing. It's more like a cool thing. You know, you see rich people thrifting. I know. You know? I know. And it's it's just like, these are supposed to be like not-for-profit organization, right? Organization. And now they're like, give they're selling the stuff i'm giving them away for free for like more than i i paid for it myself it's like exactly and like consignment stores like i had um nice lululemon and aritzia things unworn tags on and i took it to the uh mm -hmm. um the consignment store and it was like oh yeah this is not really what we're looking for and i'm like what like do you expect me to bring mark jacobs with the tag on like i don't understand yeah, 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 no, it's very, uh, it's very um, uh, catered. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm excited for, and I think like I'm probably gonna enter that stage of my life sooner than it ex than it's expected. You know, like how like old people just start wearing really wacky, crazy stuff because they just don't care anymore. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm excited for. Like, I feel like that's that's gonna be my moment to shine fashion Interesting. because i am so 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 attracted to all these wacky colorful crazy yeah. stuff but i i i like i either don't dare or i feel like i don't pull them off yet. okay but like more and more i'm going to i'm 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 getting to a place where like i just don't care good for you and it's just like, yeah. Good for you. So I'm very excited about that, that stage of my life. Um, I am the opposite on that. Oh, shoot. My headphones just died. So now you came on the speaker of the computer. I'm just plugging in another pair of headphones so that we don't hear you in double. Okay. Um, you're the opposite in what way? Um, so yeah, I'm the opposite of that. I I think the older I get, the more I start caring about my fashion sense. Like, I think when I was younger, I was more like I dressed for comfort. Um, As the older I get, I'm more, like, excited to wear, like, more fashionable things. Elegant and... Yeah. Um, like, you're going to be Miranda and Devil Wears Prada, and I'm going to be the kooky old lady in the street that no one is sure if she's homeless or not i thought you were gonna mention another uh like oh devil wears prada character no i why am i confusing that with sex in the city i love devil's wear prada i yeah. thought you were talking about sex in the city i was like whoa you no, know no, no, their no. names no um i do though i love that show uh we're gonna be like the old people like frank and gracie Gr yes okay grace yeah and frankie sorry grace and frankie i'm gonna be frankie you're gonna be grace yeah i can see it yeah <laughs> too funny 
Um, well, I wanted to end this by saying a lot of my research was from um, the internet. And as always, our sources will be in our bio. Um, I hope you'll enjoyed listening. Also, like little asterisks, not as always. Sometimes our sources are in our bio. We're working on that. Sometimes it's more relevant than others. But, All of uh, my sources are in the bio. Well, yeah. <laughs> Tomo, he'll try his best. <laughs> when, when, now that Sanya started writing her own episode notes, her sources are in her bio. <laughs> no, I always went back before you published to put my sources in there because yeah. I'm so scared of play, plagiarization <laughs> since I was a kid. You're right. No, I, I remember when I'm they made it seem it. like plagiarization would end your life. Yeah. <laughs> That's so true. Um, all right. Um, all right. Well, see you guys next week. See you next week. Bye, everyone. Tell Me Like I'm Stupid is created and produced by us, Sonia and Toma. You can follow us on Instagram at Tell Me Like I'm Stupid. If you'd like to support us, please subscribe and review on your favorite podcast streaming platform. Our cover art was created by Ish. Find him on Instagram at h.e.e.s.h. Thank you for listening.